then God bless you and you may be seated. Uh, I don't know if any of you have noticed, but there's been a few changes. Anybody notice it? I have four people in this entire congregation that notice that the, the, the building has changed a little bit. Uh, but uh, we, uh, this past week, uh, as you all know, uh, we were in a painting process. And uh, aren't you happy nobody here had to come paint? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I certainly am. And, uh, but we were able to uh, have the sanctuary painted, and I think it's wonderful. It uh, looks really nice, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that uh, helped. Our sound system has gone, uh, and helping, I mean, to help take stuff off the walls and move the platform stuff and all of that, and, uh, and then our sound system has gone and uh, undergone a major overhaul, and uh, so if you'll be patient today, there may be some fluctuations here and there in volume and sound and all of that. But anyway, uh, if you'll bear with us, I think it sounds a lot better. Hopefully out there it's a lot clearer. Uh, there won't be as many dead spots or any dead spots. And uh, so we appreciate uh, Brother Brent, Brother Chris, Brother Kyle Palmer uh, for all of the labor that they have put in uh, to the sound system and others that help them. And you may hear more about that in the second service. I don't know, but... Uh, we do appreciate uh, these guys. I know that uh, when, Thursday night, Wednesday night, I guess, uh, or Thursday night, Brother Brent and Brother Chris, when they finally left the church from working, uh, they went home, took a shower, and went to work. And uh, after having worked all the day before. And uh, so it was an all, I think they left here about 5.30 Friday morning. So it's uh, a lot of work has gone into it. We appreciate these guys, all of the labor uh, that they've done to make everything better. And uh, so we certainly want to say appreciate them this morning. The last uh, few weeks we have been talking about uh, worship and it's been a part of our Bible study on foundation stones. These are biblical principles that you can use to, to build your relationship with God on. These are things that will give you a solid relationship with God. Uh, when Jesus taught the parable about the man that built his house upon the rock and then the one who built his house upon the, stand, the sand, how the storm came and the man whose house was built upon the, stand, uh, the sand could not stand but that the man whose house was built upon the rock was able to withstand the storm. And so when we build underneath us, and when we build underneath our relationship with God a foundation that is made of stone, it is made of the Word of God, it's made of the principle of God, then when these storms of life come, when the hard times come, when the trying times come against us, then we are able to stand. I have seen uh, over the years in, in many circumstances where people uh, seemingly go through circumstance and situation and trial that, that even I have wondered how in the world can they, how can the world can they still stand under that type of, of pressure and that type of load? 
how can they still serve God uh, under that type of, of, of circumstance in their life. Um, I remember several years ago, uh, and Sister Yvonne is not here this morning, uh, has moved to Austin, and we're praying about that, but, uh, but even when she was here, I would mention it, so I'll take my liberty again, but I remember several years ago when uh, her husband, Brother Bob, a dear, dear man, loved him very much, very much a part of our church, uh, when he passed away, I believe uh, that his funeral and burial was on a, a Friday or Saturday, and then Sunday morning, uh, she was at the front of the church dancing and worshiping God, and you wonder, how can you on one day bury uh, your spouse and then the next day begin to worship God? And it just seems to be sometimes where uh, circumstances would tell you that today you get to take a day off. But you understand that, that uh, Sister Yvonne's relationship and others, their relationship is built upon something that is solid. It is built upon something that is sure and that is tried and that is true. And so that when circumstances and storms come to life, they don't fall to pieces. Because they have an underlying and a genuine and a true faith and understanding of God, and they realize that though life sometimes is not fair, and that life sometimes is tough, that their relationship with God is not based on the circumstances of life, but is based upon who God is. And our circumstances in our life does not change the fact of who God is. And I appreciate that. The Bible says that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same tomorrow as he was yesterday. He is the same 10 years from now if he tarries that he was when he created Adam. God never changes. Only our circumstance changes. And so, uh, so having a sure and good foundation underneath us is imperative to our success in, work, in, in working for God and living for God. And so we've been talking about these foundation stones, things that you can build your relationship with God on. And in the last two weeks, we've been talking about worship. And uh, if the Lord is willing, I will uh, conclude that Bible study today. And uh, next Sunday, we will have a special treat for you. And uh, so you don't want to miss next Sunday. But last week, we, be, we talked about uh, King David. And uh, we'll spend some time uh, in Psalms a little bit today, but King David, we understand, was, uh, was kind of what we call the champion of praise. He, he's the one that, uh, that really shows us how to worship and, 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 and how God desires uh, for us to worship. And, and we went through all of the things that, that King David did in the tabernacle that David built and how God desires the church today to be like the tabernacle of King David, one without avail, one without uh, limitations to the presence of God, one where King David instituted and set up singers and musicians and people to praise God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This was all done under King David. And finally, the Bible records of King David because of all of this that he was a man after God's own heart. What a, what a great label. If you get labeled by the Bible, and the Bible does throughout the Word of God label people. In the New Testament, 
uh, the Bible talks, talks often about Mary, the one in whom Jesus cast out seven devils. There's labels that talks about Judas, and, and the Bible mentions in, in, in the New Testament in many places where it mentions Judas, it will say the one who betrayed Jesus. But if you're going to get a, a, a label put on your life, if people put a label on your life, wouldn't you love for that label to be uh, so-and-so, a person after God's own heart, or a person that served God for all of their life, or a person that was able to withstand no matter what because they love God? And so uh, today we're going to continue this uh, Bible study in worship, and uh, I want to... to uh, to encourage you and, and to admonish you and to plead with you to worship God regardless of your circumstance. To worship God regardless of the situation that's going on. Even, uh, even though you sometimes may not feel like worship and even though sometimes you may not feel worthy of worship, the Bible says that if you're breathing, then you have uh, the ability, you have the commandment, you have the right to worship God. And I appreciate the Lord for that. Psalms, in, in 103, David writes in, in Psalms 103 that we should bless the Lord. Not just saying that we should bless the Lord for His past benefits. But listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy mouth is renewed like, in the, like the eagles. Oh, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So, so listen to what David is saying, is that we should bless the Lord. Not always because of, of what he has done. Yes, we should praise him for that. But he said, forget not all his benefits. In other words, bless the Lord. Worship him for what he has done for you. But then look into, uh, look into what else he does. Look at what else he does uh, in our lives. Look at what else God is. And the Bible says, uh, as David is saying, that we should bless the Lord who redeems us from destruction. We should bless the Lord because He can heal us. We should bless the Lord because He forgives us. We should bless the Lord because of His loving kindness. We should bless Him. We should worship Him because of His tender mercies. We should uh, bless Him because He gives us good things and that He supplies us strength. We should bless the Lord because of who He is and what He is and what He can do. Not based on what we are, not based on who we are or what we can't do. That's why we should bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So worship to God is not about us. It is all about Him. Worship is not about us, but it's all about Him. Worship should be totally abandoned devotion. 
We worship one God. It should be totally abandoned devotion. We should not withhold our worship. We should not allow our worship. We should not allow the, the, the worship of our heart, of our lips, of our hands, which we'll get into in a little bit, to be with, with, withheld or to be restrained because of things going on in our life. If we don't feel good, we worship God anyway. If we, don't, uh, if we had a bad day, we worship God anyway. Dr. Laura Schlesinger uh, said, uh, made a quote, and it's a wonderful quote, uh, if we could all get a hold of it. Worship of God entails internal beliefs and external acts that frankly most often run completely counter to our immediate moves, desires, and circumstances. I'll read it again. I want you to listen to that. Worship of God entails internal beliefs and external acts, frankly, most often run completely counter to our immediate moods, desires, and circumstances. Have you ever come to church and didn't want to worship? Sure we have. You ever come to church and not been in the mood to worship? Absolutely. You ever come to church and your circumstances dictate to you that you should not worship? It's not going that good. Yes, we all have. We're human. We've all done that. But the worship of God does not come from that. It comes from an internal belief. It comes from something inside of us that says, I'm going to look past all of this stuff. I'm looking past yesterday and last week and last month and last year and however long, but I'm going to look past that and I'm going to see the object of my worship. And that is God. Praise the Lord. David in, in, the, in Psalms uncovers this incredible uh, truth in that worshiping can help us overcome the situations in life. Help, worship can help us overcome our problems. Worship can help us overcome our circumstances because it makes God look bigger. Worship makes God look bigger. Worship doesn't change God's power. God doesn't change. But worship can change our perspective. Of God. David says in Psalms 34, 1 through 4, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. When, G, when David began to magnify God. Now notice he couldn't make God bigger. But he can make God bigger in his mind. He can make God bigger in his perspective. And when David began to look at his fears. And when David began to look at his problems. And he began to magnify God. His problems began to shrink. His fears began to shrink. The circumstance began to shrink. God, he was magnifying God. And so David says, don't let's let me magnify God, but why don't you come magnify God with me and we'll do it together. And the more we magnify God, the smaller our circumstance gets. The more we magnify God, the smaller our fears get. And that's how David began to, uh, to uh, well, the Bible would wind up saying that he was a man after God's heart. He began to magnify God to the point 
that where God became everything he could see. It's amazing when, when I get to the few moments to talk to people sometimes and, and they, uh, all they see is the problem. Magnify him. Worship him. Worship him. And you're going to start seeing more of God. And David got to the point where David didn't see problems. All he saw was God. He had magnified God to the point where no matter where he looked, all he could see was God. Magnify the Lord. Worship Him. A church without worship is a religion. A church without worship is a religion. Worship is a New Testament foundation that we can be built upon, that we can build our relationship with God on. And I appreciate God giving us this awesome uh, avenue or this awesome conduit uh, to the throne room called worship. And we're going to have a worship service or an evangelistic service in a few minutes. And uh, I encourage you to worship God. Not based on who's in the pulpit. Bless God, worship Him anyway. And uh, we'll see what God will do. Uh, Brother Murphy's mentioned it several times in the last couple of weeks, and it's true. We get further with praise than petition. If, if every time your child or grandchild walked up to you and they may at young ages asked for everything they needed or wanted, if every time they walked up they asked for something and never said anything else, you'd get, kind of get wore out with it. And for those whose kids are those teenagers and that's what they do, need the keys. I need $20. I guess now it ain't $20 anymore, is it? You can't do anything with $20. When I was a teenager, of course, I had to work for my money. But uh, to go up and ask my mom, can I have $20, that would have been a, quite a chore. If she would have given me that $20, I would have thought for sure I had some. But I understand now $20, if you take four people to McDonald's, you just spent that. So, uh, but anyway, uh, when teenagers, when, when young people uh, are constantly asking. Now, I understand the Bible says to ask. I, I'm not against asking. You should, you should bring your petitions to God. But if we were to balance our petition with praise... If we would tell, I remember Brother Ricky Allman said something one time and it, it made, a, made a lot of sense to me. He, he, he related a story of his childhood and unfortunately I don't remember the story in its totality. But he said that he would ask his dad for stuff. He would go up to his dad and ask and being one of 13 kids, you had to, be, you had to, to tailor your presentation to his dad if you expected to receive something. It had to be different than the other 12. And so he would go up to his dad and say, Dad, I just want you to know, man, I love you. Did, did you know, Dad, that you're the greatest dad in the whole wide world? Dad, you are so wonderful. You are just, I mean, you're handsome. You're brilliant. You're, 
you, dad, I mean, when, when you define a dad, you're him. You're just him. And then finally his dad would look at him and say, what do you want? Because he could see it coming. But how much further could we get with God if we would balance our petition with praise? Just every, we all like to hear somebody say, you know what, I really like you. You know what, you're a great person. Or, you know, you love to hear your kids or your grandkids, whatever the case is, come up and tell you, uh, you boy, you know what, I really love you, Grandma or Grandpa. Or you're a great mom or a dad. I told some of our young people one time, I said they were complaining because their, their parents wouldn't give them something. I said, you want to know how to get it? Yes, sir. I said, I would tell you, but you won't do it. Oh, please tell us, plus. I said, okay. Here's how you get anything you want out of your mom and dad. All right, how to do it. I said, when you get home from school, for the next, don't ask them for anything for the next four, five, six months. But when you get home from school, do all your homework. And when you get done with your homework, you clean the kitchen. And you vacuum the floor. And to the young man, I said, and you go outside and you weed eat and you mow the grass. And you get all that stuff done. And so that when your mom and dad get home from work, all of that's done. And so don't do it just for a week and then ask. Do it for a couple months. Saturday morning, wake up early. And instead of going to spend the night with your friends and playing video games all night, Get up early Saturday morning and wash their cars. Ask dad, can you go get a pressure washer and let me pressure wash the driveway? I said, in a few months, you'll get anything you want. Whatever you ask for. Dad, I want a brand new Corvette. He don't want to get out of the chair now because you're doing all the work. And he'd sit there and say, buddy, if that's what it'll take to get you happy, yes, sir. You just get back out there and mow the grass. And we all understand how that works. And I'm not saying that God can be bought with, with uh, praise, but it sure is nice when we give to God something that he desires. God desires our worship. The Bible says he seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if we will invest in worship, then it gives God some, uh, an avenue or a conduit to give back to us in the things that we desire. Praise the Lord. In Psalms 19 and 14, when it comes to worship, uh, God, the Bible shows us that, that worship is, is acceptable. Honest people want to, to let their worship be accepted by God and let it to be uh, true out of a good heart. In Psalms 19 and 14, the Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. So in other words, let the words that I, let the worship that I, that I uh, speak out of my mouth, let the worship that I give out of my heart, the meditation, what I dwell on, let it be acceptable to you, God. Let, let my worship uh, find favor with you, God. Let it, uh, let it please you. Let it, uh, let it be a part of your, the joy of your day. And I've often thought and often wondered, I would like to be one of those people that when God thinks about me, thinks that this is a guy I can count on. 
I would like to be one of those people. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham being a friend of God and Moses. There was no prophet ever like him, never will be. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And you, you see, uh, again, these titles that the Bible puts on people. And, and I often wonder, what kind of title does God put on me? You ever thought about that? I heard a preacher one time say, he was, and, I, and I'm not going to call his name, but he's, he's very well known. He's a very popular speaker. And uh, he's one of those people that when you hear him speak, you're saying, man, this guy is so close to God. He is so close to God, it's unbelievable. And I heard him speak one night, and he, he said that in his sermon that he was praying one day, and he said, God, I want you to show me how you see me. Show me how you look at me. Now this guy has got tenure. He's been around. He's laid his hands on the, the, the sick and they've been healed. He has raised the dead. He is, he's called out miracles. He's seen things. He's got many, many, many years of experience with God. This is a seasoned man of God. And he said, God, just show me. How do you see me? Let me see that, that image. And he said almost immediately God gave him a vision. And it was a vision of, of that prayer room that this man was in. He could see that prayer room. And, and it was like he was looking down into, like he was on top of the prayer room looking down. And he could see the whole outline of the prayer room, all the chairs, the furniture was right where it was supposed to be. And laying in the middle of the floor was a little infant. And he realized that for all of, uh, of all of his years of experience and all of his tenure and all that he had been through, still in the kingdom of God and the spirit of God, he was still an infant. And I uh, have no clue now where I was going with that story. Somebody called it Alzheimer's. Some people call it all-timers, old-timers, and whatever else-timers. But worship... Let the meditation, let the things that come out of us, let it be acceptable to God. Let God uh, gain glory and honor out of the words of our mouth. Worship is physical, worship is mental, and worship is spiritual. Did you know that? It's all of those things. The physical act of worship, why we worship like we worship. The Bible says in Psalms 47 and 1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That is why we clap our hands. Clapping of hands is, is acceptable in, uh, in an acceptable form in, in, in most arenas of the world. Everywhere around the world, people clap their hands. Some people call it applause. But it's usually done when people are appreciate or they accept an idea or the performance or whatever's going on around them and that's why we clap our hands to God clapping of hands is not uh, was not originated in the world did not originate in the world but actually originated with the praise of God so people have taken the clapping of hands and have made it something else but the Bible says that God wants you to clap your hands unto the Lord and shout unto him with a voice of triumph. It's a sign that we, we appreciate you, God. We thank you, God, for what you've done. 
when, when somebody gets up and, and does a great performance as they did in the Veterans Day service here a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago actually now, uh, the, the central uh, jazz band came up and played a few numbers and when they got done, people clapped their hands. Why? Because you appreciated it. Sounded good. There's a lot of effort, a lot of hard work that went into that and so they clap your hands to show them that we appreciate what you've done. And so when we clap our hands in church, as some of you have already done this morning, it's telling God that, God, I appreciate you for what you've done. I appreciate you. This is an applause. It's one of the things that I can do to show you that I appreciate what you've done in my life. And so we clap our hands and thank Him for the blessing in our life. That's why we do it. It's not just a form. It's not just a formality. It's just not something we do just to say that we have a market on worship. But it is a, it is a honest and it is a true form of worship to God. And then the Bible talks about lifting our hands as a form of worship. Psalm 63 and 4, the Bible says, I will lift up my hands in thy name. I will lift up my hands in thy name. 1 Timothy 2 and 8, the Bible uh, puts it another way. It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. The sign of surrender. And we mentioned that last Sunday, uh, that when a, a, uh, a, a greater force or uh, when a conquering force comes to you, then a sign of surrender is to lift up your hands. That's why policemen, when uh, you get out of the vehicle, if you look suspicious, they may tell you, put your hands up. Get your hands where I can see them. Put your hands on top of your head. It's a sign that, okay, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not going to, to try to battle you in what we're doing here, but I am going to surrender. And if I surrender to you, then whatever you ask me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And so when we lift our hands to God in our worship, we're telling God, I'm surrendering, God. It's not about me, God, but it's about you. I, I oftentimes wonder and I very seldom let the musings of my mind out of my mouth and that's a good thing and probably shouldn't at this time but I will anyway but I oftentimes wonder about people that sit in a church on church pews service in service out but there's never worship Oh, they'll clap your hands when, the, when the, the service leader says, you know, everybody let's clap our hands to the Lord. But there's never worship. Makes me nervous for that person. Because like we mentioned earlier, that worship is, comes from something inside of us. And it's not about us. It comes from something inside. And if that something inside is not forcing you, there's no desire to, to, man, at least at some point say, you know what, God, I'm not going to raise my hands because everybody else is. I'm not going to clap my hands because everybody else is. But I'm going, to I'm going to raise my hands because it's worship. I'm going to clap my hands because it's worship. 
I'm going to praise you and I'm going to, to lift my voice because it's worship. It's not about somebody else. But I'm doing it for you, God. And, and when I see people that, that can go service in and service out and service in and service out uh, without worshiping, without there being a, a, a manifestation of that something inside of us that drives us to want to tell God, you're awesome. You're awesome, God. You're a wonderful God. And man, I appreciate all the blessings this past week that you've, you've, you've helped me with and things that I don't even know about. God works sometimes. We don't even have a clue what he's done. Worship. We lift our voice to God. We use our voice to praise and to worship God. Psalms 55 in verse 16 and 17, the, uh, the psalmist said, As for me, I will call upon the God, and the Lord shall save me evening and morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. The psalmist saying to use your voice, cry aloud to God, talk to God in the evening, in the morning, and at noon. Talk to him all day long. Allow God to hear your voice, and he shall hear you. It's hard for somebody to hear you when you're not saying anything. It's hard for people to hear you when you don't say anything. And I, okay, I'm not going to let the musing of my mind out on that one. I went to visit a church several years ago, many, many years ago now, uh, that a friend of mine and his family went to, non-denominational. And uh, everybody at that church, while the song was singing, this is how they prayed. Just, you can open your mouth. God likes to hear your voice. Your husband or your wife, your kids, grandkids, all of them might get sick of hearing it. I know my wife gets sick of hearing mine sometimes. It's amazing how when she wants to talk, I don't. But when I want to talk, she don't. But she may get sick of hearing it, but God never gets sick. God's never tired of hearing your voice, ever. Not one time. You have never said, oh God... I worship you. You've never said Jesus. You've never said anything about God. You've never said anything to God that he didn't want to hear. Use your voice. Luke 19 and 40 says, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus telling the Pharisees that I will be worshipped. And if men and women quit worshipping him, something will worship. Something's going to worship, and I would just assume it'd be me. Then singing is a form of worship, and I thank God for those that can sing. I thank God for those that are talented with musical instruments, and I, and I would that everybody that is talented with singing and playing of music would use their talent for the kingdom of God. Uh, in Psalms 95, 1 and 2, the Bible says, O come, let us sing. Unto the Lord, let us make a joyful, joyful noise 
to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to unto him with psalms. And that's the key word, make a joyful noise. Just noise. <laughs> Mine's not joyful. Therefore, when I sing, it doesn't qualify because it's not joyful. But sing unto the Lord. Let God hear again your voice singing unto him. Uh, in, in every day you can sing. The Bible talks about uh, in Ephesians, talks about speaking to God with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in our heart. When you're at work or at home or, or wherever, you don't have to sing out loud. You can sing unto God in your, in your heart. I find myself oftentimes, I have a favorite song, and uh, I'll, I'll probably, I guess I'll share it with you, uh, but I find myself oftentimes at work when I'm alone, I'll sing it under my breath or just in my mind. And it's the old rugged cross. I'll sing that uh, in my, in my, under my breath all the time at work. And I get a, it, it keeps me focused. It keeps me focused that, that I'm here today at work to earn a living for my family. I'm here today because this is what I should do as the, as the husband and the father of my home. It is uh, mandated and is, is uh, ordered by the word of God that a man should work for his family. And so that's what I'm doing, but my focus here today is to focus on God and to honor God. And so sing unto the Lord. Dancing is also an acceptable form of worship. And it has been said that, that people have said, I've not quit dancing uh, when I got out of sin. They just changed my partners. But Psalms 149 and verse 3 says, let them praise His name in the dance. Psalms 150 and verse 4, praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. In other words, uh, you don't have to get out there and act like you're convulsing. <laughs> I know that sounds bad. I probably shouldn't have said that. And that's fine. But dancing can be a form of worship. I have had people, I've even said this. How dumb of me. If you ever see me out there doing that, God has just moved on me. Why are you waiting on God? Does God move on you to clap your hands? Does God move on you to raise your hands? That would be like, I'm not going to clap my hands until I feel the Spirit of God make me clapping. Dancing, as long as it is decent and in order, is a form of worship. Several, last year, two years ago, we went to the church in Lafayette and there was a man that went to that church and it was, it was kind of a, a unique uh, thing. I'd never really seen it before. But the whole time uh, that, that singing and there was worship and all of that stuff, he just danced. And I have no rhythm and I have no skill and no grace, so you forgive me. But he just danced all around the front of the building, just a little small area in the front. He just danced. That's what he did. And it was really neat to see somebody that took dancing and didn't make a show out of it. And it wasn't... Uh, 
It wasn't to, to bring glory to themselves or to show people how spiritual that he was, but he was one of those people that just danced unto God and, and used it truly in a form of worship. And that's what the Bible says it should be. Some people call it shouting. We call it whatever you want. But dancing is a form of worship. It's scriptural. And I've... Never mind. So dancing is a form of worship. And then there's a mental uh, part of, of worship. It's an attitude of worship. Uh, we must uh, be obedient to the truth for our worship to be accepted by God. Matthew 15 and 9 says, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, people coming up with their own ideas of what the Scripture says people coming up with their own interpretation and then teaching that as truth. If you do that, your worship is in vain. It will profit you nothing. Matthew 7 and 21, a scripture that, that, that causes me to worry about, uh, not about myself, but to, to, that gives me a lot of stress sometimes, is the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. There's some people that are going to pray. There's people that are going to worship, but they still won't make it to heaven because they're not doing the will of God. That's another Bible study for another time. But we must have our attitude and our spirit right. When we worship, there's a mental part of worship. And I'm done. I'm, I'm out of time. I am out of time. But I hope in the last couple of weeks have given you something, have given you an understanding or a mindset that will help you to worship God regardless of what's going on that will help you to worship God because of who God is, that will cause you to worship God not based on who's standing around you or what somebody else may think, but will make you or cause you to want to worship God because of who He is. We serve an awesome God. He is truly an incredible God. Thank you so much for your attention. Our second service will be starting in just a few minutes. God bless you. You're dismissed. Get up, shake somebody's hand. Greet our guest. Tell them you're happy to see them in Jesus' name. So faithful, so constant.